Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon. Can I call you Charlie Rose? Is yeah. that okay? <laughs> um, I'm used to calling you Charlie Rose because, I mean, I've known you since birth or shortly thereafter. I think you and Hope, your, what is your, your birth date is April 4th. 4th. Hope is March 29th. I really, I didn't know your parents because we were still pretty new in town, but I'm pretty sure y'all were in the hospital at the same time. Really? I think so. Or like within a day like they left yeah. and or we left and they came in or something like that. So Probably so. Yeah, which is so cute. So y'all have just grown up together, mm-hmm. you and our youngest daughter and um so we know a lot about each other. Yeah. And today we're going to get to know each other a little more, but you're going to share with the listeners your story about a man that's changed your life. Mm-hmm. First, let's do a little icebreaker. What is a bucket list adventure that you have oh i'm all into traveling right now Mm -hmm. so it's gonna have to include i really want to go to iceland Mm, i was just talking about that with someone last night and it fascinates me how um iceland is green and greenland is icy Mm -hmm. and i just i really want to see the green the grass and like if there are sheep there like the herds of sheep yeah. Nice. Have you done a lot of research or just you've seen a little bit of it and you want to go? Just like videos on social media and you're yeah. like, that looks so cool or yeah. so peaceful. Well, maybe in your career, you'll get taken there. I hope so. That would be cool, right? <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. Okay. Um, one last one. Cake or chips and salsa? Mm. Chips and guacamole. <laughs> you're guacamole, girl. Yeah. You're guacamole. I love it. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, well, we could do that all day long, but let's get it. Let's get into why we're here. So, tell me a little bit about Charlie Rose, the girl growing up in small town America. So, if I want to start young, how I view my my young self was just this super excited, um, but mature for her age girl, and I did gymnastics and um, till about second grade. I remember wanting to quit because it took up all my free time, but then I broke my foot, and I remember wishing I hadn't broken my foot because mm-hmm. I loved, I wanted to do gymnastics more. Um, and then my mom and dad, they were like, when you were two, you were saying words like hippopotamus. So I think <laughs> I always tried to be a little older than I was. Then softball teams, catching frogs, mm-hmm. all kinds of outdoor stuff, playing with my next-door neighbor, which is... Caden. Right. Yeah, Rachel's mm-hmm. son. And, um, yeah, I just was happy. My childhood was incredible and had two younger brothers, and I was the boss, or so I thought. I had to grow out of that. And um, Incredible in a sense of, like, perfect? My childhood? Yeah. I view it as that. That's awesome. My parents loved each other, oh. do love each other, mm-hmm. you know, together. Both my sets of grandparents live within 20 minutes of my house. That's Mm -hmm. a huge blessing. And just, yeah, super innocent and happy. That's great. That's great. So what did it look like going into, um, what was church life look? Church life, what did that look like? Yeah, that's an interesting topic for me. I never thought about it much. But younger Charlie, um, until about eighth grade, we were a part of this church called Fellowship of Living mm-hmm. Faith in Lindsay, Oklahoma, and it's a tiny church. And um, like, for instance, my Mimi was my quote-unquote youth pastor or children's pastor, but there was maybe two people in the right. youth group. Right. Um, so our Sunday school classes were super in depth. We could we could dive deep into the the Bible stories, and um, we worshipped in the front with our parents, and it was. I loved that church, mm-hmm. and um, I was baptized with that church. I don't remember what age. Um, I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be baptized, but the preacher had said, wait till you're a little bit older, and, and for some reason that made me mad, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he did, because mm-hmm. whenever I was 12, I guess maybe I was 12, 
I had a better understanding of it, and I was like, well, I'm glad I can really cherish this. I'm glad that the preacher gave us that advice that I should wait a little longer. And um, then in seventh or eighth grade, we made the switch to go to First Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me because I didn't understand it. I don't I still don't know why, but um, it was something my parents saw for us to do, and I didn't like it because the older kids intimidated me Mm. and so I joined First Baptist right whenever I entered the youth group so it must have been seventh grade and so everyone was older Mm -hmm. and the kids were incredible they were kind they were welcoming but I was just so shy like I wouldn't really receive it I wouldn't and so that was difficult but it was really good because through those years I learned so much and went to so many camps and so many opportunities I wouldn't have had at that smaller church. Yeah. And it, 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 you went from two in your youth group to like 40 to 60. So it is a big difference. And in a small town, so the town we talk about is about 3000 people. Mm -hmm. And so you, you're known, but then all of a sudden you're like known, known. Yeah. And, um, fortunately I went to church there also got to be your Sunday school teacher we were glad y'all were there and so it was super sweet so you talked about like really being able to dig deep into the word and so that was just natural for you like you're naturally curious anyway Mm -hmm. did anything change in high school did anything Mm -hmm. you know if you were you said you were baptized at 12 Mm -hmm. then did your curiosity continue did you just keep walking in your faith walking with the Lord did things go awry? What what did life look like going into high school? So, I can let me go a little step back mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was eight, I attended Judgment House. Mm-hmm. That's another thing with First Baptist Church. Right. So Judgment House is a um, theatrical walkthrough of um, what could or what will mm-hmm. tragedies that could ha- things in life that could happen that will ultimately lead to death, and then what that decision, the decisions we make on earth, what that looks like after death yeah is what that is so i became very aware of the reality of heaven and hell and you're going to spend eternity in one of those places Mm -hmm. so eight years old i said the prayer and um i say it like that because again i didn't really understand what was going on i just remember they said now if you prayed this prayer with us please raise your hand and Mm -hmm. i did and before i knew it i was taken back to this counseling Mm -hmm. room Mm -hmm. and i was like well guess i'm saved (laughs) So I thought, so that's how you could say this journey all began. Right. Okay. And I knew to read my Bible, so I'd open up and I'd find the shortest chapter I could find. And I'd read it and I'd be like, okay, great. I did my reading for the day. I'd like go to Proverbs or something. Right. And um, so, yeah, that's when it kind of began. I knew that I should dive into the Word of God, but I wasn't going about it the right way. And it felt like this um, this list I it was, was a checking task. off. It was a task. Right. And... I knew that I needed to follow the rules to make God happy. I thought that I needed to follow the rules to make God happy, Mm. to make Him pleased with me. Mm -hmm. And so when I entered middle school or high school, when it kind of took a change, like, I just realized, like, the change I saw in myself is I started caring so much more about what other people thought of me than about what God thought of me. Mm. That was the major shift I saw in myself. And a little snippet of my story is we had a foster child. I was in seventh grade when he came to us, and he stayed with us for about a year. And we became so attached, and we loved him so much. And his family was ready to receive him back. And so we um, were only fostering him, so that's what happens if you're not able to adopt. And, And it's good that he goes back to his original family. And so he went and... Man, we were crushed. Mm. And so was I. And to harbor my feelings, and this also goes along with wanting to please peers and just being so focused on the outer perspective of yourself, I developed this eating disorder. Mm. And that's when I really remember just letting like things that I knew weren't like take hold of my mind and take hold of me mm. is when I just started allowing people's thoughts about me and just, you know, something as superficial as your body and mm-hmm. how it looks just really control my mind. And I was no longer living to please God. I was living to please me. Mm. And that's when that little shift began mm. bit by bit, you know. And that was about what 
That age? was eighth grade. Eighth grade. So that started mm-hmm. pretty, pretty early. Yeah. Like how, how deep did it go? Deep. Um, you know, you like, you don't realize what sin is doing to you. And I didn't realize what sin was doing to me until it, until I hit rock bottom. I would say from eighth grade until five years later after my freshman year of college. Okay. So there was um, a moment, like I said, I got to, you know, do a lot of, you and I've done a lot of small groups together, me leading those. I remember it couldn't have been y'all senior year because that was Mm -hmm. COVID. (laughs) So it must have been junior year. And I was your small group leader and it was you and two other young ladies and I remember that evening, I actually remember who the preacher was because he actually ended up moving to Oklahoma and I still follow him. And he was talking about warning signs on your car. He's talking about like cars and how if the engine goes bad, you get warning signs on your dashboard. Mm-hmm. And so we went back to our small group and we were talking, we were talking about warning signs and I just was looking at you girls and said, do you guys have any warning signs? And I, re- I remember it was really quiet for a long time. And I knew you guys had warning mm-hmm. signs, um, but I can't answer that. I can't come at you and say, you got problems, <laughs> right? We just have to like love you through it uh, to a point. And so I remember you looking at me and you said, I have several warning signs going on on my dashboard, but I just don't want to look at them right now. Mm-hmm. And I was crushed. I, w- like, I just looked at it and then the others somewhat agreed and had their thing to say about it. And I felt heartbroken. I And it was probably one of, well, it's definitely one of the most standout moments in my life when I looked at one of my kids, my girls, and like it was heartbreaking. Like I watch you guys go through like life things, but to know the choices and it was, and just to be totally and completely defiant. And I remember just closing my book and I was like, okay, well, I'll see you guys in the morning. And like, we like fit, like I had nothing. I, I was just completely blank. And I called um my mentor that night and I was like, I don't know what to do. I said, what, like how, where, like, do I go screaming? Do I like, and your mom was actually a small group leader too. So do I go to her mom and say, and I can't because that's like breaking that trust and that confidentiality. And that wasn't what needed to be done. And like, it was so crushing. And up until just a few, what, a year or so ago, I have been heartbroken for you. And it has been so hard. And to not, like, pick up the phone and say, what's wrong with you, Charlie? What can we do? Or any of that, just just God going, I just need you to be quiet and just, like, just keep interceding on her behalf. Just keep loving her. Just keep hugging her. And, um... You and I talked, well, this is the first time you've heard this, and so I'm sorry to make us both cry, <laughs> Yeah. But, um, but I think I want people to know that through these stories, not only do they hear you saying, I struggled, um, and I just kept pursuing, um, you know, you just kept, the worst thing can take us to such a deep place, but knowing that God continued to pursue you. Yeah. But for people in my position that are loving those people and just to say, you have got to be Holy Spirit led. Sometimes you step in and sometimes you just have to like love them through it mm-hmm. and just keep praying for them and just let the discernment go, you know, like lead you to do yeah. the right thing or not to say anything. And I know that's a lot of rambling, but it's because I've been so nervous to share that with you in this. And um, that's just a really raw moment for me. And yeah. I'm. I'm so glad that we're going to like get to this next part of the story and that we're sitting here um, because there was a time when I didn't know that we would get here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I'm thankful for my mentor who I was able to call and say, what do I do? And she was just like, she had some great words of wisdom that I can't even think of right now. And um, like we talked about worst case scenarios and we talked about best case scenarios and we talked about, you know, scripture and prayer and all that. And so I just wanted to, um, to share that with you, but also our listeners to know that you did go to a dark place for mm-hmm. a little while. What influence did you have on those around you? What, what this, this dark time, this five year span, what type of influence did that have on people around you? Yeah. That's one of the hardest things, and that that <laughs> that provoked the tears. But because I think I began crying earlier, because the way you viewed me is 
how I look back at myself now. Like, like I just want, wanted, wish that I could say, hey, wake up. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what you can do in those moments for a person when they know, they know everything they should know, yet they're, they're denying. Um, And the influence, the impact that I had on people around me is one of the hardest things to cope with because because I had a lot Mm -hmm. a lot of people looked to me as a role model and um, as an example well respected yeah and I didn't treasure that gift well Mm -hmm. in that time and it led to others thinking it was okay to do the things I did Others copying me, um, a huge thing, huge thing is I think of my brothers. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad they've got to see the redemption in my mm-hmm. life. But it's my prayer that they don't want to follow my mm-hmm. my story to a T. And, yeah, that's, I mean, all I could say to a listener is, like, if anything else, think about think about those you're influencing because mm-hmm. it's it's a big deal. And we think sin isn't a big deal, and we think it's just impacting us, but mm-hmm. it's breaking hearts. Mm-hmm. It's breaking ours, and we don't realize it. It's breaking God's, and we know it, and it's breaking so many people's mm-hmm. hearts around us. How were your parents during this five years? I don't know what all they knew and what they didn't. And um, So is any of this going to be a shock to them? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've become a very open person because... I want to, um, I want to help others. And so some things are hard to talk about, but a lot of things I have talked about, especially with those closest to me. But how were my parents through this? It was, it was almost as if everything was normal. Mm -hmm. And there was one time I got caught and like you said, I was just defiant. I was like, yeah, I know what I did was wrong, but I'm not ready to stop yet. Mm-hmm. And I've always just been so brutally honest. And yeah, so they were, I'm sure it wasn't easy for them, but they loved me. Mm-hmm. And they didn't um, let it, they really didn't let it affect our relationship. I don't know how. Like, they grounded me when they had to, but <laughs> they loved me. As a parent, we learn, or I hope every parent learns, what it's like to love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And it's the perfect example of how God loves us unconditionally to love your child that way. It's hard. It is so hard because, um, you want to just like pop their head off. Like you're so mad, but at the same time, you're just like, you're just like me or you're just human. You're, and that's what God's going. I just want to pop your head off, but you know, you, we are flesh, you know, but I love that you're sharing because, Um, scripture says the truth will set you free and the more you speak and it's not to it's not to embarrass yourself it's not to cause shame by any means it's just to make you relatable to other people because you are adorable like you walked up you got your cute little pink blazer (laughs) on and so i could see where somebody be like oh charlie rose's life is perfect actually i'm sure i've heard that before charlie rose has got a great life life is perfect but we don't always know what someone is struggling with behind closed doors or in their own head Mm -hmm. And it's so easy, you know, the enemy works in isolation. And so, like you said, mm-hmm. you guys had a, you know, you guys had a shattered family. You, you know, your, your little guy had to go back to his family. And then one little bit of darkness leads to another thing. And, oh, I'll keep this secret. And, oh, I'll do this. And, oh, I'll be mm-hmm. with this person. Oh, I'll consume this or whatever it is, you know. And before you know it, um, you've put yourself down such a hole. Yeah. So what changed? So you went to college. Yeah. Graduated, went to college freshman year, um, partied it up pretty good. Um, the Everything started even before that. It's junior year, um, I just thought it'd be a good idea to start drinking because it looked fun. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and that's what actually I got caught for, and my parents were devastated. That's the first bad thing I'd ever got caught doing, and that's when I was like, yeah, um, this is just the beginning. And... I don't know. I don't know why. I just had this idea in my head that so many things out there are so much fun, and being a Christian this whole time, I've been missing out. And mm. so I was like, I'm going to do it my way. And um, so then it just, yeah. Snowballed? Snowballed. 
And uh, when COVID happened, <laughs> oh, that's when things were bad because there was no accountability there. So okay, so let's so COVID hits in March of 2020. This is your senior year. Yeah. So does that does it get, is it bad because you're at home and you can't have the thing you can't be doing the things you wanted to be doing, or is it bad because like once life kind of opened back up, it was a free for all. It was a free for all. Really? Yeah. It was just bad because there was no school, no responsibilities, no mm. obligations. Um, no, I didn't have a job. I just, you know did whatever I wanted to with my friends all night long and slept in all day. And just like, there was no youth group, no, Mm -hmm. Hey, how you doing? It was just, and like they tried, right. But if a kid wants to get away with something, Mm -hmm. they can. And Mm -hmm. a zoom meeting's not really going to impact their life. (laughs) Right. And parking lot church, we would, we'd go to church and, and listen to the sermon through our radio. Well, I would just fall asleep in the car. Yeah. And so like, I blocked out anything I wanted to block out, and I let in anything I wanted to let in. Mm. And, like, just, I used so many things as excuses. Well, so-and-so's not being a good example either, so Mm. let me, or, and it's, and I knew I was lying to myself, and I knew, but in that time, I just got real bored, and I got real curious, and I started doing drugs, and it started with small drugs, and I went to bigger drugs, and, um staying the night with boys and I just I include all these things in because I want someone to to know like that happened in my life too I want people to be able to relate it to themselves and so then I entered college and yeah that's when things can get really crazy because those things are so glorified Mm -hmm. in shows and on social media and like that's all you see so it's almost maybe that's not all you see but that's all I was seeing Mm -hmm. So I just, like, had this goal that I'm going to have so much, quote-unquote, fun. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to be that party girl, be that. And so when I got to school, um, that's immediately what I jumped into. It was just this transition of COVID doing nothing to all this stuff in college. And, um, yeah, where was the question again? (laughs) Well, you went from small town partying mm-hmm. um, to big campus. Yeah. Because you went to a very large campus. Yeah. So at this point, were you still seeking the um, people pleasing? Or was it more like now you were like chemically addicted? Mm-hmm. Like you were, or was it a combination of the two? It was a combination of the two. I noticed in myself, like I couldn't, I wanted to drink alcohol to be able to loosen up, to be able to interact with friends. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way I felt comfortable enough around people. I think that goes to show like how lost I was in myself. Mm-hmm. I had no no sense of self-identity. Therefore, I didn't know who to be around people, so I needed alcohol to be around people. Mm-hmm. And which is not you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that like looking back like yeah, little 10 and under softball yeah. player Charlie yeah. or you know, like that's just not. You just you just talk to anybody. You fit in anywhere, yeah. you know, and so I could but in your mind, you had created the story, mm-hmm. I need this, I need this. drink before mm-hmm. I can loosen up to go be with these people. Yeah. And I just wanted a distraction. I think that's what drugs were. What changed to get you to start thinking something different? Instant gratification. Mm. Because it's like, God, I know you're there, but I don't feel you. This is not all it's chalked up to be. Christianity, especially in high school, can be lonely if you're not plugged in with the right groups. And so it was, I don't want to wait for this. I don't want to search for you. I just want this just like immediate like pleasure. I just Mm -hmm. want this like um, drink. I just want this drug. I just want these people to like me immediately. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do whatever I need to to be their friend and they be mine. And so it was ignoring God and just turning to flesh Mm. and I remember whenever the parties kind of lost their luster and the person I was in a relationship wasn't around so we were doing long distance I was I had no distractions and so I remember like going to bed it was hard to go to sleep without just thinking of God but I didn't want to think about God because 
it scared me because I was like, You felt guilty? I was just like, I don't want to think about this because I don't know if I died where I would go. Mm. That's what I thought in my head. I I was just like, I'm going to just ignore this subject altogether. Mm. So, yeah, I remember that being pretty hard. I just didn't, I had anything to distract myself from that so I could have my fun in the sun. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's whenever I realized life is real. Life and death Mm -hmm. are real. Mm -hmm. The distractions faded out because they can't last forever. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You're going to get bored of them or they're going to tear you apart. And so things kind of started fizzling out then, but I still told myself, well, just look forward to next fall. It's going to be all the same fun stuff again. But, like, that's the thing about the worldly pleasures is they're never satisfying. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for the next thing. mm -hmm. So that was in the spring when the distractions started losing their their effectiveness. And so the summer comes along and I go back home. to After freshman year. Yeah. Okay. So freshman year done. We're in the summertime now and I'm babysitting and I am with my family and um, I just loved being around my family because I felt so guilty for lying to them all those, all those years. And so I really cherished my time with them and I tried to make the most of it, but it still didn't feel complete because I knew I wasn't being the daughter I should be. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do everything good on the outside. I I was a great babysitter. I took that responsibility very seriously because I loved I loved the kid. And um, I wanted to be a good granddaughter. I wanted to be a good daughter. But I wasn't ready to be God's daughter yet mm. because that's everything. That's deep. You're all in. That's all in. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do everything on the outside. Did you ever think that, like, being home was a safe place, maybe for one reason, because it kept you from being fully tempted? Like, Mm -hmm. you weren't at college, you didn't have the freedom because you wanted to please your parents. And then, two, you were also able to live under the security of your family's faith and protection from God. Did you ever feel that way? Yeah. It felt like a safe space. Yeah. But sometimes it wasn't good because... That Lindsay was also the place where I entered all those things. Mm. That's also the place it all began. So, but home, home was a safe space. It was fun. And um, the the big change, like I don't know where I'd be if this hadn't happened, but my Mimi had back surgery, mm. and we've always been super close. Mm-hmm. And um, something we shared a lot in common was our faith in God. And um, we would bake together, and we just have such a respect for one another because God had been, I mean, it's her biggest passion. And I admired her so much for that. So those years felt like such a lie to her. I felt like Mm. I was, like, not being my true self. And um, so she had back surgery, and I wanted to rekindle that relationship. And so... I would go out to her house and stay with her and um, just help her with whatever she needed. She really didn't even need that much help, but I was just around. And what you were saying about you just have to use discernment and you just have to step back and you just have to pray for them. Mm -hmm. That's what she had been Mm -hmm. doing and that's what she did. So the whole time you thought she didn't know anything. You thought you were fooling her. Yeah. But on the flip side, she's like, oh, Mimi knows. But Mimi's going to attack it. With her God, who yeah. is mighty, way mightier than any word that she could ever share with you, right? Yeah. And I love that. Like, yeah. go Mimi's. <laughs> she, before I understood what discernment was, I was like, how does she know that I'm, <laughs> what? And she just would, like, ask questions on my bad days. She would be like, are you okay? And um, I was like, how does she know? How does she know? And um, it was discernment from, from mm-hmm. God. And... She just loved everyone, and she loved me that summer, and she didn't care about anything. She just wanted time together, and she just wanted to talk about God and mm-hmm. and just be the nature of God to me, and I was like, I want that, mm-hmm. and another big impact in my life was Jody Webb, mm-hmm. and I remember that summer... Like, like I said, I was, I was kind of bored. All distractions were gone. And so I was like, okay, 
I don't remember if Jody had texted me or if I had texted her, but we had a we had a sleepover. Like I went and stayed with her, and I just saw her life and mm-hmm. and her the peace she had with God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't have that. And she doesn't do all the things I do, but man, her life is good. Mm-hmm. And she there's joy in her life. And so I remember just seeing that and wanting that. And we even talked about God and and just. The conversations I had that actually had an impact on me were the ones where I didn't feel condemned, were the ones that it was just openness. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that that was an eye-opening moment for me. And then, again, just hanging out with my Mimi. And um, then one day, I just went to Falls Creek. like So Falls Creek, um, and it's mentioned on a, a couple of the other episodes because, you know, we live in the South. We're in Oklahoma. Falls Creek is a huge camp. A huge, it is associated with the Southern Baptist Convention, but there's, I mean, it, there's many, many non-denominational churches that go there too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just for Southern Baptists. Um, but if you are anywhere near the state of Oklahoma, most people know about Falls Creek, and it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of kids that come. You know, it's once a week you go for the week, and I think they do what six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody gets a week down there, and it truly is like it's this mountain that was the, like, it's, I feel like it's just where God lives. Like it truly is the most amazing place on earth. (laughs) It is anointed. Or at least for us. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. So many powerful things in our lives have happened there. So I have no intentions when I go to this. I was just like, I'm just going. My mom invited me. Like, So you're just going for an evening to hear the evening service. You weren't going down as a camper for the week. Yeah. Mm Going to be that good daughter. She Mm -hmm. wants me to go. I'll go. Yeah. I was still looking forward to next fall, ready for summer to be right. over because... I'm enjoying the safe place, but I'm so ready to get back to partying. Yeah. 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 And I don't even remember what was said in that service, but I remember what God was saying to me. Mm. And he was saying, mm. will you please let go of those things? Mm. Quit. Quit. Finally quit trying to please the world and just come to me. And I remember thinking, like, wouldn't that feel nice? Mm. Wouldn't that feel nice? You still didn't say yes. You mm-hmm. just said, wouldn't that feel nice? I eventually said yes that evening, yeah. and um, they did the invitation, and, and then before I knew it, I was walking down, and wow. I was like, this is embarrassing. That's what I thought, because everyone in that youth group viewed me. Yeah. See, nobody knew what was going on. You think they didn't know. I think people didn't know. They probably, I know they did, but to me, and still lots of people didn't, and so I was like, all these people have seen in me is that I go on mission trips in high school, um, I was I was at every camp. I was at the leadership camps, and you were starting Bible studies in junior high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so and then here I am walking down because my life is so broken right now, mm-hmm. and um, I I prayed with someone, and I don't know if that was the first I was saved or if that was a rededication of my life. I don't I don't care too much to know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me, and. I know God was present even in all those years, so mm. it's, like I said, hard for me to say. But anyway, there was a change that day, mm-hmm. and it was sincere, and it was serious. And I had peace, and I had joy, and I, I didn't worry about where I was going to go when I died because mm-hmm. I knew. Mm-hmm. And just, I had finally quit thinking, and I just obeyed. Mm. And that was the change. That's so good. I went down to Falls Creek, and... Falls Creek was a camp where years before I had been the person who encouraged people who got saved. I had worn this bracelet that says, I help people come to know God, Mm -hmm. you know, years before. Mm -hmm. And here I was after my freshman year of college walking down to to make that Mm -hmm. commitment to God. And so that's one of the reasons, like I said, it was embarrassing, but... It was what needed to happen. What do you say to um, the young girl or just the person listening to this who is wanting to say, okay, God, I really am ready to fully surrender my entire heart to you. I'm ready to give it to you all, but it's going to be so embarrassing. And I have so many people that just think I've imperfect, Mm -hmm. you know, lack of a better word, and they're going to be so disappointed. What do you say to that person to get them to the other side? I say to you, that is about to be the best decision you're ever going to make in your entire life. And who cares what they think? Mm -hmm. And if you think they're going to be disappointed in you, I think that's a lie. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that they're going to be excited for you mm-hmm. because that's all anyone ever was for me. Even the people who thought I was the perfect girl, when I went to church and got baptized um, following my rededication, man, they were patting me on the back. They were encouraged. They were encouraging me. They told me they were proud of me. Mm-hmm. I never heard a negative word. Mm-mm. If I could... Um replay for you the moment that hope saw it on social media i mean she was just like mom charlie rose got about i mean and so we haven't really been able to connect since and i i don't know if you and hope have i know there was that one time we ran into you in sunday school but you know to know that people like have been praying for you and cheering Mm -hmm. for you and to the person listening there are people praying for you there are people that know like i know the enemy tells you that it's just your secret and nobody knows about it they know like mm-hmm. because yeah. of that discernment from God yeah. that like a true believer is anointed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives us discernment to know and we're led by that. And so we may not know why we send the text, yeah. but we send the text anyway. Yeah. We may not know why we ask that certain question, but we're led to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And so just just have faith that God's going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So fast forward just a little bit. This is in the summer. You're getting ready to go back to school. Um, what was it like between that moment and then right before you went back to school? It was spiritual warfare because mm. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is very real, and this is permanent. And so there's that doubt that creeps in that's like, this isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. You were just caught up in the moment. Mm. But I clung to it, mm-hmm. and I and I clung to it hard, and knowing God and his love was so sweet that I didn't want to let go. And so I had to dive into the word Mm. because if I didn't like, I knew what was going to happen in the fall. Mm. I knew. So I made a promise to myself to build myself up so that I wouldn't fall into those temptations. Mm. And so it was a lot of like, really come into terms with things I had done in my life, which was super difficult, and um, apologizing to some people. Like, I remember texting um, a roommate that I hadn't been good to, and I just texted her, and she was a Christian, and she was like, (laughs) she was like, I've been praying for you. Mm. And so she was just super happy for me and held no grudges, and I I texted, like, an ex-friend that I had hurt, and she was like, I've forgiven you so long ago, mm. and I'm happy to hear the change in your life. And so, it was a hard time. Humbling? It was humbling. Mm. Because I didn't, I wasn't the girl on top of the world that I that I thought I could be on my own. Mm. Um, so, I, I just knew that there had to be lots of changes in my life. Mm. Like, I even questioned, like, is this relationship I'm in going to, gonna last and it didn't turns out and so which is the better right (laughs) so much for the better yeah and um so yeah I remember those times being so hard but so so sweet because God was there Mm -hmm. and a verse I found was I hope I don't get these um numbers wrong but Romans 10 28 I want to say but God is working all things for the good of those Mm -hmm. who love him Mm -hmm. and are called according to his purpose and so many things I had worked wrong. I had I had messed up. But that verse told me that God's working them for the good. Mm-hmm. Because because at that point I was I was in compliance with his will. I was working mm-hmm. to glorify mm-hmm. him. I was being obedient to him. So he was working those things out for the good. Absolutely. And I think we get so caught up in thinking we're the only person that has messed up. Mm-hmm. We're the only person that has done it as big as it could ever be done. And then when you start looking back, I mean, we have thousands of years of proof that we are not the first, we are not Mm -hmm. the last. And God has made so many things beautiful and he's, he's not done. Right. And so I just think that's amazing. And it's cool that all those years, all the stuff that you did prior to that night at false Creek were the good stuff, the digging into the word, like studying with your Mimi or Mm -hmm. starting the Bible study in eighth grade, whatever all those were, they were not wasted. Yeah. They were not for nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they just, they're getting used now. There was just a little back road you took. It was a little put on hold there (laughs) for a while. Exactly. So when you got to school, um, what did you, what did it cost you? 
I I only lost one friend. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I'm the type of person that I've I've never had lots of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like my circle is small, and so I um, I mainly just lost one friend, and it wasn't like some big blow up. It was like um, we just never saw each other mm-hmm. in the same places anymore. And I hope that I'm not. It's not always going to be like that for everyone. Right. But for me, it was fine. And, like, I had uh, committed to living with four girls that coming fall. And they're good girls. And that was God working things together Mm -hmm. for my good Mm -hmm. even before I knew it. (laughs) And, um, I mean, it cost me a relationship. The person I was with, we, we broke up. But that was so much for the good, too. Was it right. hard? Was it one of the hardest things I've ever went through? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, my habits changed. My What I did, what I spent my Saturday evenings changed. What I wore changed. Mm. That's a big one. That's all, That's been a struggle, um, I remember. And, um, yeah. Are you healthier? Healthier, yeah. <laughs> Someone yeah. was like, oh, my goodness. You look so good. And I was like, thank you. I stopped drinking alcohol. <laughs> I was like, I sleep now. And yeah, I, I take care of myself. I rest well. <laughs> yeah. How hard has it been for you to share your story? Depends on when. I remember at the very beginning, I just wanted people to see me as perfect. I didn't, I, it was hard for me to face those things I'd done. So at the beginning, it was hard. Hard but easy because it was fresh. Mm-hmm. I would want to share about God, and, and, and I'm a Christian now, but I wouldn't want to tell them about the change that occurred because mm-hmm. I didn't want them to see what I was like before. But this year, this was my third year of college. So my my word of the year was vulnerability, and mm. I saw people in my life be open and share really tough things, and it inspired me to do that too. And it emboldened me, and it made me value my story. Would I do it all again the same way? No. But is there value in in it? Very much so. So it's been easier. Well, and that's how you allow God to use you to make all things good for Him, mm-hmm. right? So you've seen other people share, and it has helped you share. Yeah. What lives have you seen changed since you've been sharing? It's mm. a good one. Well... I want to say my current boyfriend now Mm. because when we met, I was still very fresh in my faith. So I was so passionate and so hungry. And I don't know if he'd met someone in college who was like that. There are probably few and far (laughs) between. (laughs) And um, then we just, we started talking and we started dating and he reads his Bible more than I do now. Wow. And he, he hadn't, and he's told me that in, he wasn't reading his Bible when we met. And he knew God and, and loved God, but he, he inspires me now in that way. And so that's the, one of the biggest lives I've seen changed. And other than that, I, I'm still hoping for certain ones. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. I've I've just seen the people around me, and maybe it's just myself, but just so much more comfortable to talk about God, mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful. I think the m- more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. I remember even just you know moving to our small town, and and then starting to get hungry for the word, and then okay, I'm hungry and I'm I'm getting it, I'm taking it in, but at some point you have to leave it out. So you'd like drop a little phrase here and there and it would be received mm-hmm. or at least it wasn't like shut down. So you're like, okay, that was easy. Yeah. And then you would like dribble a little bit more out and then like sprinkle some more. And then before you know it, it's like so much easier. And it's so true. Like if you'll just start, yeah. it will get easier. Yeah. Absolutely. When you said sprinkle, it made me think of salt. Like we're the salt, salt of, the of the earth. earth. That's but right. That's you right. know how like when you haven't eaten salt in a really long time, and you taste a little bit of salt, you're like, oh, that's salty. That's and <laughs> so, yeah, the more you you do it, the easier it is. Right. The right. less you even notice it. Like, the less... It just becomes your normal yeah. language, mm-hmm. right? You had a great knowledge of God mm-hmm. and how Jesus was 
the sacrifice for our sins so that we could spend eternity in heaven, but you didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. What does that relationship look like now? Yeah. And before I get into that, you might have to remind me of that question. Okay. But what that made me think of is like, I knew a lot about God, but my view of him was also skewed. Mm. I remember thinking he's mad at me. He, Mm. he doesn't, he, he's upset. He's disappointed. And like, as if there was going to be punishment when I finally did come back Mm. to him. And that's a huge thing that I want to like, that I want to discuss because I know I can't be the only person that's felt that way or that who someone might be feeling that way right now. But like, God is not waiting to punish you. Mm. He's waiting with open arms. He's waiting to give you all those blessings that you have been missing out on. And, like, sometimes there are consequences to our actions, but they didn't come from God. They did not. And I just think that's been a big thing that I've wanted to share and talk about because I remember being scared. And it's not like that at all. Preach it, girl. Like, I'm like, I'm not saying a word. You just keep going. Because that's so true. Because we, there, I'm not saying things, not everything bad that happens in our life is because of a bad choice. Yeah. Or, or our bad choice, yeah. right? So, yeah. bad things happen to us because other people make bad choices. Yeah. The bad things that happened in my childhood were not my fault. And it mm-hmm. took me a really long time to figure that out. It was because the adults in charge of me made really bad choices. But then we get to a point where we start thinking when something bad happens, it must be because I did something mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. And that's not always true. No. But there are also consequences for the bad things that we pick. Yes. I mean, that we've chosen. And so it could mean, like, had you stayed on your drinking binge, it could mean long-term health problems. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of things. And so, but God's, it doesn't mean that God was like, oh, you went one day too long, Charlie. Yeah. Now you're going to be stuck with this rest of your life. It's we have we're not little puppets yeah Mar- are they what are those little puppets on trees? Marionette. marionettes yeah we're not marionettes where god's going oh we have freedom he yeah. gave us freedom to make those choices mm-hmm. choices are going to come with consequences yeah i could preach choices and consequences <laughs> all day long <laughs> yeah he's just not waiting to punish it's great okay so we'll go back to the question mm-hmm. yeah. what is your relationship with jesus what does your relationship with jesus look like now it's it's solid and it feels good to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. And with Jesus, I'm. I think the main thing it consists of is gratitude. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for what He did, and I'm fully reliant on what He did. Mm. And he was the perfect sacrifice. And I remember there was a time when I came back to God where I thought like the amount of love He felt for me, or, or, or how pleased He was with me, depended on how long I'd read my Bible that day, mm-hmm. or how many days in a row I'd read my Bible, mm-hmm. but that's not it. The love never changes. The relationship status never changes, but the fellowship can. Mm-hmm. That was a lesson I had to learn. And so if I don't feel close to God at the moment, it's not him mm-hmm. that walked away. It's probably me who mm-hmm. got my eyes off of Jesus, who who um, stopped reminding myself of how loved I was by mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. or those things. And yeah. My relationship with Jesus, it's the favorite, it's my favorite thing I have in my life. And it takes a lot of reminding myself of what the word says. Mm. And like that he does not condemn me and that he loves me and that I don't need to feel guilt. And and that when I accidentally have a bad day or snap at someone, like that doesn't mean I'm a bad person or that Jesus isn't in me. It just Mm -hmm. means that that's an area that God can make me more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're human. We're mm-hmm. flesh. We're we're born into sin. We're, those things are going to come up. No one is perfect. Yeah. I don't care who you think you are. Yeah. So you are, but like you said, I know I'm going to check. I'm going to check myself. I'm going to go back and go. Okay, God, how can I? How can you make me better in this? Yeah, I love that. Girl, your story's beautiful. Yeah, I love you. it. Is there any last thing you'd want to say to someone who's listening? who hasn't met this man named mm-hmm. Jesus who pursued you in yeah. a five-year dark yeah. pit and hung around, didn't leave you, yeah. and said, I'm just going to keep knocking at the door. I'm going to keep making your Mimi send you texts. I'm going to keep having your old Sunday school teacher pray for you. I'm going to keep just let, putting people around you. They're going to love you. I'm going to continue to pursue you until you finally say yes. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person who is like, I'm still wanting to ignore the warning signs on my dashboard. Mm -hmm. 
I know how stubborn you're being. Because I've been that too. And all I can say to you is you're going to wish you'd made this decision so much sooner. Mm. Like, I know you're telling yourself that there will be time down the road, but I'm telling you, why do you want to miss out on all that precious time? Mm. Because since coming to God, my life is completely different. And, like, the people he's brought into my life are so much more perfect than who I would have ever found on my own. Mm -hmm. I mean, just put him in control. It might not look like what you want. It might not be instant gratification, but the end result is so, so good. Mm. And so why are you wanting to wait? Because that, that person you're trying to please, that boy that you're trying to stay in a relationship with, or whatever it might be, that habit you can't lay down, like, they just pale so much in comparison to God. And if you, if you don't think that they do, then you don't know the God that I know, you know? Like, He is perfect, and He is so good, and there's nothing better, nothing sweeter, so let Him have the reins, because His way is so much better. Mm, it's good, girl. It's so good. Thank you. Thank I you. love you. I'm so proud of you. I am so thankful that God just continued to pursue you. I am extremely confident that you are just getting started and that you're going to continue to change the kingdom. How can we be praying for you? I'm learning to live in full surrender. And nice. it's not It's not easy. easy. It's, it's not, not easy, easy at all. Until <laughs> it's worth I, it. Yeah, it's worth it, but it, it is. is not easy. Yeah. And like when I do surrender, I'm like, oh, great. That felt like, why didn't I do that sooner? And so just surrendering every part of my life. Okay. And um, yeah, that's how you can be praying for me. You got it. I'm so thankful that you invited me. I'm so thankful you said yes. We've been only trying for like eight months. <laughs> Yeah, this has been great, and um, thank you for your prayers and not ever giving up on me. It's what us mamas do. Mm. Okay, Charlie, thank you. Thank you. My dear friend, I want you to know that this man Jesus my guest spoke of is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words, just believe, trust, and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in His truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.